I'm Tim Fitzgerald at GoPowerCat.com. And I'm Scott Jason with Fog.net. This is a replay of WIBW's TV show, The Drive. Here's this week's episode on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Good evening, Wildcat and Jayhawk fans, and welcome to The Drive, sponsored by FlintHillsAuto.com. I am Tim Fitzgerald at GoPowerCat.com, and the man to my right is Scott Chasen of Fog.net. Do we want to talk about it right now? Do we want to talk about it? Do we want to, I think we should probably talk about it. What happened? Have you ever been to Coastal Carolina? No. It's a beautiful place. I need, I need to head out there. I, well, obviously not now. They're, they're going through a situation, but... Yeah, that was pretty incredible. Yeah, they they didn't even, couldn't even practice where they would practice because of a hurricane, and then they, the, they brought the hurricane with them. Yeah, you think about, and Les Miles actually talked about this, about dealing with some of that adversity too when they were going through Katrina, but the situation that is to show resiliency, to kind of work through that, to, to change up their schedule, go and beat a Power 5 team for the first time ever, I mean, that's pretty impressive. Impressive. You can interact with us on social media at facebook.com slash the drive show on Twitter at the drive 13. And of course, answer our weekly poll question and make your game predictions at the drive And remember, if you ever miss an episode of the drive, you can listen to an audio only version that will appear on each, each Monday morning in the form of a podcast at gopowercat.com and fog.net where we live most of the time. We will start things off now with our two minute drill. And the two-minute drill is sponsored by Hands. They've been expecting you. Now let's eat. Well, the skies in Manhattan look sunny as the Wildcats move to 2-0 on the season with a 52-0 smackdown of Bowling Green fits. This is the first time in K-State football history that the offense has gained 500 or more yards in its first two games of the season. Should the Big 12 be worried about Kansas State? A little early for that, but this is impressive. When you stop and think about what K-State used to do to opponents in the non-conference schedule when Bill Snyder got the program really ro rolling. <clears throat> We're talking the late 90s, early 2000s. And these first two games in terms of offensive output and yards has exceeded that. That puts things into context how well they're playing early in the season. Now, how much can you judge from beating Nichols, which is a good FCS team, and Bowling Green, which is an atrocious FCS team? I don't know. Uh, but I'll say this, they play clean, they play efficiently, they do the things you need to do to win at the Big 12 level, which is control the ball. They've had more than 40 minutes of time of possession in both games. They lead the nation in that. They have a very good quarterback in Skylar Thompson, who leads the nation right now in QB efficiency. Their running game has gained more than 300 yards a game. They are doing all the things you would think a really good football team might do, and yet we still don't know if Kansas State's a really good football team mm -hmm. because they have to go to Mississippi State next, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. And then, you know, you plunge right into the Big 12 schedule. There's so many unknowns about this team. How mm -hmm. will they react to adversity? Because let's be honest here, folks, they have had no adversity. Mm -hmm. They have so controlled these games and so manhandled their opponents. It's just been stomping on them from the get-go. But that's what good teams do in, mm -hmm. in games like this. They just take care of business. And they played like 88 players in this game. Yeah. So that was really invaluable to get with this new rule where you can play freshmen four mm -hmm. games and they don't burn their red shirt. To get a lot of those guys in that won't play yeah. the rest of the year, just invaluable. Yeah, and, and let me not quite disagree with you, but say they have faced a, a small bit of adversity just in terms of changing a coach and, yeah. and learning, you know, how to deal with new assistants and terminology and players and everything. And 
I mean, so far they've handled it as well as could be expected. It's pretty incredible uh, to, to handle an all-new system offensively, and it's a system that has a lot of movement, a lot of shifting, uh, and really go through these games with pretty clean performances, no turnovers and, and uh, limited penalties. Pretty remarkable, really mm -hmm. is. Meanwhile, in Lawrence, the skies are not so sunny. Kansas lost to Coastal Carolina 12-7, the program's first win over a Power 5 program. Scott, should KU fans be worried about KU? I think there is some reason to uh, be a little bit concerned if you're a KU fan. It starts for the reason of understanding that, yeah, these are still a lot of David Beatty's players. So it's not necessarily fair to look at the, the program, to look at the team and say, you know, wow, this is what Les Miles is. We, we don't really know the caliber of player he's going to be able to bring in and keep the, the schemes that they will ultimately run. They are on their second choice offensive coordinator. Uh, you don't know how that will develop over time. But, but I think there have been reasons to panic. And look, it starts with the offense. You see that interception there. Carter Stanley had a lot of space in front of him. He made a couple of risky throws, a couple of picks. Uh, one unhappy with a miscommunication with the wide receivers. He said he put in a call and it sounded like another call. So the receiver ran the, ran the wrong route. It put a defensive back in an area he shouldn't have been. But the fact of the matter is, both of these times, the, the ball was put in jeopardy and the offense just hasn't looked good. No. Then that handcuffs your play calling because Les Miles, it, it seemed like they went away from the quarterback. They didn't want to trust Carter Stanley to make plays. But they also weren't going to take him out of the game. So then it becomes very predictable. What are you going to do? You're going to run the ball. You're going to run the same running plays that you've been running. And look, Coastal Carolina was prepared for it. It, it was a real mess. And then you start to look at the coaching issues. You know, David Beatty, fourth downs became such a big thing with him. Substitution penalties became such a big thing with him. KU called two timeouts on the same fourth down. Now, Coastal Carolina took a timeout in between. KU came out with the same offensive look, and they didn't have a backup plan. They didn't have the idea of what if Coastal Carolina lines up in a way that's detrimental to what KU wants to do. When you're making mistakes like that, it means you don't trust your quarterback to change plays. You don't trust him to read things at the line of scrimmage and say, no, we're going to go away from that. If you want to be concerned, I think that's why you're concerned. I noticed in watching the broadcast, there seemed to be a lot of frustration on the KU sideline. Mm -hmm. They probably just did, absolutely did not see this one coming. And it felt like through most of that game, it's going to be okay. Yeah. It's close, but we'll get out of this. And they didn't get out of it. And here's the other thing you have to look at. Coastal Carolina left eight points on the board with two missed field goals, a missed extra point, and they didn't try another extra point because they had missed the first one. They went for two. They didn't get the two-point conversion. That's eight points if you just talk about two field goals, two extra points you put on the board. That alone is more than Kansas scored. Kansas scored seven. And what's amazing is when they came into the game, one of their strong points was supposed to be their kicker. <laughs> and he just had a horrible day, and yet they still won. Well, speaking of bad days, the Big 12 played two games against the SEC on Saturday and lost both. LSU rolled into Austin and claimed a 45-38 victory over Texas. And West Virginia was absolutely embarrassed at Missouri 38-7. Remember when we made fun of that spread? <laughs> well, they were right. Should the Big 12 be worried about the Big 12? Uh, I think it may be a little early in some respects. I thought Texas did a good job to hang with LSU. And I think, uh, for me, LSU, I've been impressed with them. Maybe not more than any team in the country, but just seeing what they've been able to do offensively, reinventing themselves and being aggressive. That being said, yeah, West Virginia looks like one of those teams that's definitely going to be at the bottom. I think Texas Tech and Baylor have had at least some impressive scores. I'm, I'm intrigued to watch them more and see kind of what happens there. 
I think there's some concern though at the bottom of the Big 12, and right now that looks like West Virginia and Kansas. Well, West Virginia is shockingly bad. Uh, I was a little surprised by this. Uh, I thought Texas was going to make the breakthrough after the Sugar Bowl and beating Georgia. Mm -hmm. I thought they were ready to make a breakthrough. Now, LSU's quarterback was simply fantastic. Mm -hmm. They're running a new offense, as you mentioned. It's kind of a uh, NFL variation of the spread, and they looked really comfortable in it. Uh, and LSU typically has a very good defense. It's turned into a little bit of a shootout. It's kind of funny they make fun of Big 12 defenses, and while Texas's wasn't bad for all the talent they have on the field, LSU gave up a lot of points too. Um, this one's going to haunt the Big 12 because not only was it a loss, it was a loss on the home field. Mm -hmm. Uh, between two teams that appear to be two of the better teams in those conferences. So push comes to shove, if let's say Oklahoma loses to Texas again, that's going to be like they lost to all of the SEC if you're a voter and someone that's picking who's going to be in the playoffs. So this was bad. This conference needs some redemption. This weekend they'll get a chance at that. But really, Kansas State winning at Mississippi State, mm -hmm. even though they're considered to be lower-tier teams in their conferences this year, that would be a big win for the Big 12 to get back that road win. I, I don't know. I, don't, I just didn't think this weekend looked good because Missouri lost at Wyoming yeah. and then destroyed West Virginia. That and, game wasn't close. And, and again, I would say the bottom of the conference is, is especially where I look at and say, yeah, the Big 12, you know, you think about Rutgers and the Big 10, for example. And look, the Big 10 wasn't perfect. You think about a team like Colorado and, and what they did against Nebraska. But that being said, I, I do agree with your point in saying that playoff wise, especially at the top, and then you look at the bottom in those teams, there's reason for concerns kind of on both ends. Should we take a moment of silence for Nebraska? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to laugh. Now, a quick look at your poll question results. A poll questions brought to you by Film at 11. Your go fast, look good, play hard, custom shop. Well, let's take a look at last week's question, which was, will either K-State or KU go 3-0 in non-conference play? Both will. Got 10%. You're already wrong. Sorry about that. Only K-State, 70%. Looking pretty good. Only KU, 5%. Again, apologies. And neither will. 15%. 70% of the folks out there believe K-State will win at Mississippi State. Hmm. Hmm. This week's question is this. What Big 12 football program made the worst coaching hire? And I put all four new coaches in there just to be fair. A, Kansas with Les Miles. B, K-State with Chris Kleiman. C, Texas Tech with Matt Wells. D, West Virginia with Neil Brown. And there's two answers in there that are difficult to choose between. Make sure you vote over at thedriveshow.com. Well, that will do it for this half of the two-minute drill, but we will be right back with more on KU and K-State on The Drive. Welcome back to The Drive as we continue our weekly two-minute drill. And the two-minute drill is sponsored by Hands. They've been expecting you. Now, let's eat. Well, Kansas State 2-0 on the season, and on Saturday it travels into the SEC by playing at Mississippi State. Fitz, what is at stake for the Wildcats? Well, this was a game at the start of the year. If you were picking K-State to be ninth in the Big 12, which the voters did, or even if you were picking K-State to go 6-6, six 7-5, and six, seven and five, this was probably a loss. Uh, you know, some people th thought K-State go in there and win because Mississippi State lost a lot of people. Mississippi State rolled in, it's hard to say, mm -hmm. rolled into Manhattan last year and just dominated the game. But they had a senior quarterback who was a big physical runner and they didn't handle that well. And they had about four NFL draft picks on the defensive side of the ball. It was a mismatch, it really was. It's less so this year, particularly now that K-State seems to be playing to a new identity 
Ironically, the same identity Bill Snyder always wanted to play to, but really hadn't been doing that for about 15 years. So, you know, it turns out K-State's going to be a running team. They're going to be a physical team. They're going to be a defensive team that is going to take away things that you want to do. That's, that's the Snyder philosophy, but that's the Chris Kleiman philosophy, and now he's doing it even better than Coach did for certainly Snyder 2.0, maybe the exception being that 2012 season. Mississippi State is a favorite. They're on their home field, and K-State is a very confident team. There's a lot of positives at stake in this game. They can go into to Starkville and get a win, and it could redefine not only their season, mm -hmm. but their identity as a team and as a program. Suddenly people aren't going to be looking at K-State as a team that was picked ninth in the Big 12 and won two games they should won, but did so impressively. They're going to look at K-State as a team that not only is in lower half Big 12, but based on what else is going on in the conference, might be upper half Big 12. Uh, so it becomes very interesting. There's a lot of positives, a lot of things to gain in this game, Scott, but I don't see many negatives unless you get injuries and blown out. Sure, sure. I wanted to ask you about confidence. I think that's interesting because you look at the production that K-State has had. I mean, think about it this way. A thousand yards and a hundred points, and it's been two games. That's remarkable. Is this team just going in there with all the confidence yeah. in the world right now? You know, when you put in new systems, uh, I don't care. This isn't about football, basketball. This mm -hmm. is about any work environment. When you put in new systems, and the employees, or in this case, the, the players, see immediate results. It builds up this great belief in those systems mm -hmm. that makes the systems even better. And right now, K-State's in that position. They will get hit in the mouth, as Mike Tyson mm -hmm. said. Will that pl plan stick after they get slapped upside the head? Will they be able to believe in those systems and play through it? Yeah, and, and Bill Self actually had a win against Michigan State, I believe, in his first season. And he said at the time, this is the type of win that builds you credibility with players. I, I think you're seeing some yeah, of the same things Yeah, we now. always tend to look at things from fans or voters or whatever. But you got to have the locker room. Mm -hmm. You got to have them. And Kansas now steps up into a big road game themselves when they go to Boston College on Friday night. BC is 2-0 on the season and opened the year with a win over Virginia Tech. Scott, is Les Miles' team even close to being ready for this challenge? Well, it's funny you start with Virginia Tech, the quarterback of Virginia Tech. It's yeah. Ryan Willis, the former KU quarterback. But look, it's hard to say whether or not they will be ready just from a function of at times this team has looked like a prepared, put-together football team. And then you saw the last game, which again, I mean, two timeouts on a fourth down is something. And that's that's coaching staff. That's not player. That's something that's pretty inexcusable. So uh, I I don't know is the answer to that because you think about the way the KU run game played 173 rushing yards. Puka Williams made his return. He had 99 rushing yards. Khalil Herbert 80 yards on 10 carry or on eight carries, 10 yards a carry. KU has strengths. It has things it can play to. It has ways that in the Big 12 at least opponents won't have seen them before and that it can mix things up. The question is the passing game. Is it prepared? Is Carter Stanley in a position where he has the trust? of his coaches, of the play calling, just to simply be able to do the things that you would want your quarterback to do. I, I don't know that he has this right now. KU has to get its quarterback situation squared away, and they don't want to end in another kind of David Beatty scenario where you switch your quarterback three, four times during a season. They right. can't do that. I think that's number one this week. If Carter Stanley is your quarterback, you have to trust him. You can't get scared with play calling midway through a game and say, nope, we're only going to run the ball. This has to be a situation where you trust him to make plays. If not, you need to make a change and figure out who that guy is. You just got to emphasize to him, he can't take chances. He mm -hmm. can't do basic things and, and throw into coverage. And, you know, it's all a spiral now. If he doesn't believe his receivers are running mm -hmm. the right route, he's not going to trust them to put the ball in the right place. 
So they have to find a way to get the trust back. Yeah, and, and let me say one more thing about Carter Stanley. He's in kind of a tough situation in a new offense. There was one play, two blitzers kind of showed that they were going to come after the quarterback from his right side, and Puka Williams actually pointed out, hey, those guys are coming. Carter Stanley said after the game, he does not have the freedom to change that play or change into a different look. Whoa. That was a third down play. That It went for a, it was a sack, a loss of 10, five guys blitz. There were five guys into block. You know how that usually ends up. That's the kind of situation where you get into trouble. You have to trust your quarterback to be able to do something there, or you're basically just sending him out there in a lose-lose situation. That's interesting. Skylar Thompson in back-to-back -back games has audibled out of passing plays and handed it off to James Gilbert for touchdowns. Mm -hmm. So you've got to trust your quarterback. And now we step out of bounds. Well, the Kansas City Chiefs open the season as a three-point favorite at Jacksonville and cruise to a 40-26 victory over the Jaguars. If the Chiefs can keep Patrick Mahomes healthy, a big if, are they the team to beat in the AFC? Yes, next topic. Uh, <laughs> look, uh, the Chiefs were marvelous from the get-go. I mean, they scored on the third play of the season. It was a third down play, and Sammy Watkins hit his seam, and Patrick Mahomes put the ball on the money. The Chiefs were going to roll in this game, and then he got a little dinged up. He got an ankle rolled a little bit, <clears throat> and all of a sudden it looked like uh, this was going to be a football game, but then they kind of manipulated the play calling and got into some better stuff for him. But Pat Mahomes is absolutely marvelous, and so are the schemes that allow receivers to get wide open at times, and he knows when to throw a laser and when to throw a lollipop. He's a very smart quarterback with a good running game, a good passing game, and, and a defense that was nominally better, let's say, yeah, nominally better. You can give it to him. Uh, than what we saw last season. This is very promising. Yeah, and, and I would say this. You know, I, I know a lot was made early in the game, the no-look pass that uh, ended up not going for a touchdown, and then they end up kicking the field goal. Look, the Chiefs have the type of offense that you can gamble. You can try and do creative and inventive things, whether with play calling, whether with Patrick Mahomes just saying, hey, let's see if this works. And, and I think the reason you get that is because that offense is so dynamic and impressive. And, yeah, I mean, look, the Patriots are, are very good, and they added, obviously, a very big weapon. We'll, we'll see if anything comes of any potential investigations because I think that, that situation itself is kind of fascinating. But, yeah, look, the Chiefs are, are a very good team, Super Bowl favorite going into the year. We'll see what they do. Well, Antonio Brown might be as much a distraction as a benefit. <laughs> we will see. But uh, the Chiefs are off to a 1-0 and start. Well, now uh, let's hear from the fans. Yeah, let's hear from the fans. Our fan question this week is this. Coastal Carolina <laughs> celebrated its win by breaking a Jayhawk pinata in the locker room. Cool or classless stand from Topeka ass. I thought it was kind of funny, but why in the world did you have it? <laughs> I mean, I understand yeah. you're confident, but you had to order the pinata. Mm -hmm. Someone had to say, hey, Tony, did you pack the pinata? <laughs> And they had to get the pinata there, and then someone during the course of the game had to go into the locker room and hang the pinata to yeah. make sure it was there for the team. They probably just brought in a guy to do it, just to protect the, the pinata, preserve the sanctity. You don't want anyone to see it and get excited and be like, oh, I want some candy and, and break it. No, look, here's how I feel about these things, and maybe this is a perspective being a little bit younger, but I, I think it's all fair. You're seeing, like, the turnover chain or these cool, like, rituals that teams do. KU played the song New York, New York after it won the first game because if you can make it there you can make it anywhere unless miles had a orange juice and a sandwich in new york and he said they were really good and it's just kind of emblematic of you need to be the best so yeah if you're gonna have your traditions you're gonna have fun you you can do those things i, I obviously you don't want it to happen against you if you're ku but I, I think at this point college football you can have some fun it's fair game it was not a well-constructed pinata no. i gotta say that it was too easy to break a guy with a crutch <laughs> made a lot of damage on it yeah. it's just not right they, and we, they do need to clean that up and we don't know what kind of candy it was 
Oh, that's a great point. I, I hope it was a little like Snickers and not like, you know, little tiny. Yeah, those like know. mini M&M packs yeah. that have like five in them. Yeah, Very disappointing. These are important things. Yeah, well, remember to ask us your questions on our Facebook page and on Twitter at The Drive 13. And when we return, we will look at our predictions here on The Drive. Welcome back as we head down the home stretch of this week's show. And now it's time to look at our predictions. And the predictions are brought to you by Vanderbilt, your work boot center. And remember to make your weekly predictions at thedriveshow.com. And let's look at last week's results, plus the Oklahoma-Houston game, which I forgot was on Sunday when we put it in last week. Anyhow, we all ended up 2-2. Two and two. We're all 3-3 three and three on the year because we're all remarkably average. <laughs> and now here are this week's picks. And we start with K-State plus 8, 8.5. So uh, K-State, or excuse me, Mississippi State needs to win by nine or more. I, I set my rule last week. I have to pick K-State after betting against them twice and them making me look very bad in doing so. What's beautiful about this is you can take K-State and they can lose by eight or less mm -hmm. and you win. Yeah. That's the beauty of gambling. <laughs> Your pick? Oh, K-State. Okay, That's next right. is Kansas plus 14 and a half at Boston College. I'm going BC. I, there's no, I can come up with no reason to pick Kansas in this game, which probably means Kansas will cover. I'm also going BC. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's tough not yeah. to do that. And our last game of the week is Iowa plus three and a half at Iowa State. So Iowa State is predicted to win. You got to win by four mm -hmm. in Ames. Yeah, I'll, I'll take the Cyclones on this one. I will too. We're all going to be the same, mm. aren't we? We're going to be the same after three weeks. We're going to be boring. We'll I find know. a way to go one and one again. One and a half and one and a half. Usually we try to divide it up, mm -hmm. but we can't find any good excuse to divide those up. Yeah. So we're going to all be the same. Unless you guys want to pick Iowa. Go ahead and do it. Again, make your picks <laughs> over at thedriveshow.com. And now it's time for our On the Clock segment. And On the Clock is sponsored by Carpet One by Local for a strong local community. And we will start with Mr. Scott chasing a fog.net. Well, Puka Williams made his return following a one-game suspension. It was part of a domestic battery charge. There were other things he had to do, including taking an accountability class uh, with regard to violence. And he was, you know, he, he spoke about it after the game. It was the first time he spoke to media. He began by apologizing. I thought it was uh, an impressive kind of moment for him to take responsibility. He did not hide from any questions. He answered everything. He said he plans to speak to the team about the incident again. It's hard to deal with these situations. He thought there was a chance he wouldn't even be back on the team, and now he's trying to do his work to kind of repair that. On the football field, though, KU needs to find creative ways to get their best player the ball. He is back. He is now on the team. That's the reality of the situation. They're running the same plays that they have that Les Miles has run in the past. They're running plays that David Beatty ran with him. They need to be more inventive with him. We saw it at the start of last year. 99 rushing yards, a good total for Puka Williams. Five yards a carry, less than what he did last last year and they weren't finding ways to get him the ball in the pass game only two catches for 10 yards that's a way he can be more involved and they can use him to kind of take some of that pressure off of Carter Stanley well Kansas State announced a new 105 million dollar building project for athletics it is all privately funded it is all funded by donations and receipts that K-State athletics get and yet some people are upset that they're doing it you know what athletics drives the budget athletics makes money and they're going to spend $105 million to make K-State Athletics even better than it has been in the past. Good for them. And that's it for this week's edition of The Drive. We will see you next week right here and all week on social media.